Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Awesome to see you. So good to be in church. Thank you, darling. I get all emotional when I see those young ladies singing. I thought this is what church is all about. I just so appreciate Nam and Jin and all their work with the, the youth in the church and raising up the next generation of worshippers. <laughs> seeing William there and seeing Max there, Grace, it's just fantastic. There's so much to be thankful for. I love being a part of a church that is alive. When I see that list of things that Justin, I mean, he could have gone on. I see a church that's alive, that God's on the move. And I'm just so excited about that. And I'm so thankful because so many of you make this possible. That we, we get saved from independence into dependence. We get saved from independence to dependence on him but also dependence on the community of faith that he calls us into. And so many of us here serve on teams and come early, leave late, work during the week, prepare preachings and service leadings, kids' programs, youth... I mean, the list goes on. The worship team's here every Friday night. There's so many people giving of their time and energy and money and resources to make this community of faith be alive. I'm just so, so appreciative. Thank you so much. Today we're talking about Advent love, one of my favorite topics. Uh, I, I just am so excited about this particular topic and I'm excited. I mean, Justin's just talking about and praying through next year. I, I look at what we've got coming up. We've, we've got the fasting week and everyone goes, yay! Just calm down, everybody. It's only a week. I'm trying to work out how to push that a bit further. One day each year will go further. Eventually, we'll get to 21. And we take those dream cards and we go, Lord, I want a miracle. I need a miracle. I want a testimony. But we just come before the Lord. We hear his voice. I believe God wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to every single one of you for this year. So can I encourage you as we just about to cross over the boundary of this year into the next, prepare your hearts, prepare your minds. If there's things of this year that have unsettled you and displaced you, bring them before the Lord. Let them go. Let them go. Lord, I want something fresh. I want fresh fresh faith for a continuing challenge. I want fresh faith for a new challenge. I want, I want a fresh faith, Lord. And so I want to encourage you today as I bring to you this message on love. When I look at the, the series this, this year of hope, joy, love, and peace, I feel like each of those elements have their own kind of thing about them, that hope itself has a focus and joy, joy has a posture. I feel like joy's got a posture. It's like you've got to take a joyful posture. You've got to be intentional about joy. That's what I heard last week from Susan. 
It's not going to happen by accident. He is the robber. He is the thief of our joy. And the joy in him is our strength. We have to be intentional about it. Joy has a posture. And today I'm speaking on love, and love has a target. And next week we have peace, and I believe peace has a presence. And so as we go through this Advent series, I'm, I, I'm just getting all sorts of thoughts, and I'm just really believing today that there's people here that are thirsty and tired, people longing for more of him, to know his touch afresh, to re-experience his love that is so special to you because you're unique and the way he communicates his love to you is personal, intimate and unique. And so today I want to start off, and so I'm, I'm believing that that may be you today. But if you're married here or in the process or wanting to be, let's just talk about romantic love for a second. I, 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 uh, how long has it been, sweetheart? <laughs> Sadly, it is getting like that in our relationship. Numbers are kind of fading. I think it's 27 years we've been married, is it? Something like that. I remember, and for all of you who are married or getting married, I remember when, I've got to be careful now. I've got to be real careful. I remember when this woman was intoxicating to me. Now, don't take the past tense in the wrong way. I remember when the only thing I did with my head and my emotions was focus on her, even though she wasn't in my presence. I was consumed by this person. In the forest of people in my world, there was one tree I could not ignore. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? This is the young lady I fell in love with. This is the young man that lady fell in love with. Just calm down, Joe. I don't know what everyone's laughing at. Wait till you see the next photo. Don't you love that green suit? And the hair. Oh, my, the hair. You can blame Mel Gibson, lethal weapon. Um, somehow I think wedding photos should, should, should be embarrassing. My, 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 my. Bring back the mullet. Although I'm not sure I could achieve it these days. It's getting pretty thin. But romantic love. Have you ever read the book of the Song of Solomon? Ooh, don't read it in the message version. It's pretty steamy. It's full of romantic longing and intimacy. It's beautiful. And it's everything we just said. And it's just a wonderful aspect in the way God has created us. 
that we are to have this honeymoon period of intense longing and drawing for another person. Isn't that incredible? But it is a season. It is a season. And tonight, uh, today, I want to kind of not so much focus on that, but make it just an introduction to refer back to because I want to focus on where God wants us to go on a journey to his love. It's a very deep love, and it takes quite a bit of effort to get there. And so I want to just talk about that today. Let's take a look at one of the most familiar but defining scriptures around this in John 3.16. This is how God loved the world. He gave his only one and only son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And we've all heard this. We've seen it held up at at football games. We've seen it tattooed. We've seen it so many places. We're so familiar with it, it may have lost its edge in your thinking and in your heart. But when I look at this, I see love has a target. For God so loved you that he sent love. He sent his son. Love had an intention, and that that intention was a personal sacrifice. It cost him everything. But here's our responsibility. See, with God, there's always our responsibility. Our responsibility is to respond. It says, for whoever believes, whoever believes, we have a choice to believe. We have a choice to walk in one direction or another with God. And we have that responsibility that he gives us. Paul, in Ephesians 13, very famous chapter that's read a lot at weddings, what love is. I just want to take a a bite out of that chapter in verse 7 and 13. Paul takes that love that God so loved the world, that love, and expands on it. He says love, in verse 7, never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every single circumstance. How awesome is that? God so loved the world, his love lasts forever. That love that he loved the world with never loses faith. That love the love he, that he loved the world with always has hope. That love will always endure in the pursuit of you and me. There's a wonderful song, worship song that we sing in this church and I just love it because it just reminds me of how God's love targeted me and found me. Let me read the lyrics to you and I'll try to hold it together. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath... Your breath of life in me, you have been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down. It fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And so today, I want you to get that today. The strength of his love. The pursuing nature of his love. The intimacy of his love. The personal, tailored love that you need in that moment. 
His love is incredible. Do you remember when love hit the target of your heart? Do you remember where you were and what you were doing when God's love targeted you and found you? Do you remember? Can you reflect what it was like when heaven's love that we celebrate this December, that hung on a cross, that died, that heaven's love that went to hell and defeated death, that heaven's love that rose again in power and authority, and he says, I give that all to you, that love that targeted you and found you. Do you remember? Because it's easy to forget sometimes that love that finds us, finds us. And so as I go into this today, I want to just draw a comparison between the journey of love in God and the journey of love in marriage. Is that okay? It's, it's, it's not perfect. It doesn't fit completely, but I think you'll get the point. And so I've got three phases, if you like, three stages in the journey of love in marriage. And the first one, we've talked about the romantic stage, the honeymoon stage, where your spouse literally can't do anything wrong because whatever that person does, you just think is so cute, so wonderful, is so, oh, I just love you. We've talked about that. The second stage I want to talk about is building trust. And the third is commitment and loyalty. So that's where I'm going today. And maybe, because when I look at our society and I talk to my colleagues at work and I I look and I listen and observe culture and society today in our world, I look at so many relationships that come and go just like the wind and the climate and fashion and I look at their definition of love. And I feel like sometimes people in our society are addicted to the honeymoon stage, to the euphoric element that, brings, that, that comes about with that new relationship. And that when that wears off and they start to realise the work of love begins, they don't recognise that it's the work of love. They interpret it as... I've fallen out of love because I no longer feel that euphoric emotion anymore. Are you with me today? And so typically, if we compare it to our walk with the Lord, I think sometimes we are a little challenged as well. That if you can remember when you gave your life to Jesus, when you asked him into your, life, into your world. and For me, and, and this again is just in a general sense, your experience might be different than this and that's fine. But in a general sense, people testify to when they ask Jesus into their life that there is a, a new feeling on them, like they've changed clothes. Like they're in literally a new creation, that they're past the guilt and the shame that they have felt for years because of the, their past has fallen off them. There's a, a lightness in their step. There's a connection with God. Somehow I feel him. I, I talk to him, even though it's kind of weird, but it's working. I'm reading the Bible and 
somehow the words are bouncing off straight into my life. And there's all this wonderful new experience in God that we have where we feel God talking to us through his word and through his Holy Spirit, through people in church. And it's, it's just wonderful. And why isn't everybody so excited? And then God moves us into a different zone. It's called time to grow up zone, time to stretch a zone, time to trust zone. He wants us to grow in our trust level with him. And that's where I want to go today. I'm currently, I I work a lot with renovations of houses. Um, I do very little new construction. And right now I'm working in a house in Lund and we're working on the roof and redoing the roof. And there's scaffolding standing in all around. It's about three stories up. But even so, we, we need to stand on a fairly steep pitch and work. Now, at my age and stage, I'm limited to how far I can bend over. There's certain elements of my physique that get in the way. I can't quite stretch across to that other piece of wood like my colleague so easily can, who is half my age. It's actually quite stressful because you can slip. Even though the the scaffolding, the standing will catch you, you're going to be slipping away. So I'm quite insecure on the roof because I don't feel flexible. I can't really stretch It's hard to work while you're actually trying not to fall. Anyone kind of get the idea of what I'm talking about? I feel quite insecure. I don't trust myself so much on the roof. And so what I could do is go to Joe and go, Joe, personal trainer Joe, help me with my ability to stand on the roof. He goes, Quentin, I've been waiting for you to ask. Buddy, we're going on a weight loss program. We're going to get you flexible. We're going to get you stronger. And in six months, you're not going to know yourself. You'll be like a monkey on that roof. And so six months pass. And I go from a stiff, robotic to a monkey on the roof. Light, nimble, flexible. But there's a process in between. I'm insecure. I'm not trusting my body. Now I am secure and I'm trusting my body. But in the process from there to there, Joe is discipling my body. You know where I'm going. There's work to be done to get from there to there. He needs to disciple my body so I can do that and have trust and security in my body. In marriage, I often, actually always when I marry a couple, I say to them, please, do not have children until like your third or fourth year of marriage. Please spend those first years getting to know each other, enjoying each other, going on the holidays together, 
having a wow of a time, spend some money and do wonderful things. Because when you have children, none of you would know what I'm talking about. I can tell. It changes the dynamic of your relationship considerably. In the first few years of marriage, it's, it's a well-known fact in psychology that there's often a lot of conflict. Susan says that our first two years were terrible. I don't remember that. I thought they were great. Men, women, very different. <laughs> but often in the first few years of marriage, there's conflict, arguments, misunderstanding, hurt, disagreements, all this sort of stuff going on. Why? Because we're moving from independence to dependence. We're moving from independence to becoming one. That takes work. It takes wrestling. I now have to consider not just somebody else. I have to consider a female. How do I do that? I don't understand them. She has to do the same with me. God must laugh when he put this whole idea together. But he knew that we can't do it in our own strength and that we need him. And so some of the questions we may ask ourselves in the first few years of marriage is to get ourselves from a place of insecurity to a place of security and trust. And some of the questions that you're wrestling with, whether you're thinking about it or not, is have you got my back Do you consider me in your heart and in your thoughts and in your actions? Am I the priority in your life or are you the priority in your life? Can I trust you? Because right here in the middle, I'm transitioning from a shallow emotional love to a much deeper sense of knowing and trust that goes beyond the light weight of emotion. And so, if that's what we look at marriage, I kind of think sometimes this kind of occurs in our relationship with God. That we move from that new Christian experience where it's all new and fantastic and right and good and everything, and then suddenly God goes silent Suddenly, my circumstances start to overwhelm me. Suddenly, I've got challenges in my life that I didn't see before or have before, and I'm now not experiencing God the way I did when I first got saved. And God's going, now, let me disciple you to learn to trust me and know the love I have for you will pursue you, will chase you down, will endure, will not lose hope, will always be in faith for you. And so sometimes when we face circumstances in our life that keeps us up at night, that puts a knot in our left shoulder, what is really happening there is God is going, do you trust me? And what's happening in your thinking sometimes or my thinking is, Has God got my back? Has God got my best interest at heart? 
Am I in his view? Because I know God is a good God and he has all good things for me because I see it in other people's lives around me and I've heard the preacher preach it more times than I can count, but I can't help but ask, God, my issues at work, does it matter to you? The challenges I have in my family, does it matter to you? My economy, Lord, I'm so tired in the economy. Doesn't, are you there, Lord? I see you in other people, but I'm just feeling like the God I knew back here when I first met you is not the same God that's here. And he's going, I'm here. I need you to understand I'm here. I need you to understand that I've never left you. I'll never forsake you. I need you to read this again and again and again and get it from here to here. When you get it to here, that's when you will know my love. Summertime this year, summertime this year, we, we came into the summer services and they were brilliant services. The summer Cafe Connect services we had were just fantastic summer services we've ever had and we'll do it again next year. But something happened that you probably weren't even aware of and that is our worship ministry went from two bands to one band like that. People had moved on and continued their lives elsewhere. Now, that's a crisis. Despite how wonderfully gifted and anointed Num and Jin are and Grace and, and their team it's impossible to expect them to play every single Sunday. And so it's easy as a pastor of the church to go, we can't have a great service every second Sunday. What are we going to do to fill in the gap for the alternate Sunday? Are we going to get Rowell and Matthew up again? Just must have said no. You did very well, by the way. If you remember the summer services, when they did very well. Are we going to do worship karaoke? No. But you know what? Even though it literally is a crisis, it was a serious situation. Susanna and I were completely, had a quiet confidence that God was going to work this out. And here we are, a couple of months, the end of July, a couple of people turn up. Out of the blue, coming into August, they started worshipping in this church with a wonderful anointing on their lives with Giselle and Bobby. God provided. So how did Susan and I have peace that God would provide? How did we stand at this end of the spectrum knowing nothing on how God would provide or who he would provide or how he would? Why weren't we here? Because once upon a time, we were here. For quite a few years, we have been here, stressing out, praying hard, doing whatever we could to physically work out how to solve some of the challenges we face as a church. But in the wrestling process and believing and going from faith one day to doubt the next and wrestling and picking the word up and reading it and going, no, despite my circumstances, I will believe you will provide. That's how we got from there to there. 
we went through the discipleship of trust and believing that God is going to do something amazing this summer, and he did. Matt just mentioned the prayer cards, the dream cards. Now, I don't have the original because Susan and I left it at home, but our dream card for this, 2000, this, this year, Susan just showed me this week, and we instantly saw that the first two things on our dream card have been fulfilled this year. The last one is a work in progress. The first one I can share with you, the second one is deeply personal and I will not share with you. But the first one, we'd written that God would give us a house to help people. That was on our dream card at the beginning of this year. That was our first one. And the second one that I'm not sharing with you came true as well. So I want to encourage you, instigate a challenge of faith, the faith challenge to go through this coming year where you will go from here to here and see a victory in your life, see a breakthrough, see an answer, see a grace, whatever it is you need. Can I encourage you to be thinking and talking about that? I think that's absolutely brilliant. Really, really good. So let me recap. We've got the honeymoon stage. We've got the building trust stage because with every level of trust... There's a test to get to that trust. With every level of trust, there's a new test to get to a new level of trust. And you see love and trust go together. They are cousins. You, you can't love deeply without having deep trust. And so God wants us to go through a discipling where we deepen our trust through experience of the word in our lives that we would know his deep love. And so that brings us to commitment and loyalty. And in a marriage context, that's where you have gratitude for your spouse. You cherish one another and you remember your first love. You remember what it was that made you go crazy in love with that person. And you discover that everything else doesn't matter. Commitment and loyalty. It's an interesting stage. I like to call it the stage of knowing. That you know, 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 and no argument can debate it, no devil can take it, that you know, that you know, that you know God loves you despite your circumstances. I call it the stage of knowing. In Paul's, Paul's writing, I have... It here. In Paul's writing in Ephesians 3, 14 to 18, it says this. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from these glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then he tells us how. He says in verse 17, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Mm. And may you have the power to understand. Other versions say, may you grasp. I like to say, may you have the power to know fully, as all God's people should, how wide 
how high, how long, how deep his love is for you. What an incredible passage right there. Verse 17, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. He's taking us on a journey of love and a part of that is to learn how to trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love as you trust him. Your roots will know you can trust him, that he's got your back no matter your situation at work, that he's got your back no matter your finances this month. You know he's got your back no matter what your children are up to. He's got your back because you have allowed your roots to go down deep into his love. There is a journey to deeper love and knowing in marriage. There's a journey to deeper love and knowing in your relationship with God. If I just ask the band to come up. This advent, this love, it's got a target. And it, it never takes its aim off the target of your heart. It never loses faith in you, its target. It never runs out in pursuing its target, which is you. It never loses hope when this love pursues you and chases you down. Let's all stand up as we, before we go back into worship. Today, as we quickly run down towards Christmas and we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the greatest expression of love that the Father gave us. We have to recognize that as we gather as family and friends, as we gather as people that we love, as we feast on the food, as we fellowship and celebrate Jesus Christ, let us remember to celebrate the why and the why is that he loved us so. Can I encourage you as you gather around tables and fellowship and food, can I encourage you to go around the table and just ask one by one, what has God done this year for you? What can you testify to this year of God's activity in your world? And take time to read the Scriptures. Take time to reflect on the path to Bethlehem and place Him at the centre of your banqueting table this Christmas. Lord Jesus, we just thank you. We just thank you that you said, you put your hand up and you said, Lord, use me. In the Garden of Gethsemane, you still put your hand up. Your will be done, Father. The symbol of his love and passion for every single one of us. A love that is the most powerful force in the universe. The, the love that is the center of, of every community of faith. The love that can turn the hardest heart. The love that can chase down every person in this city and capture them by your grace. Lord, we just pray that as we take time over this festive season that we will reflect and meditate. And maybe for some of us, restart Revive and reawaken 
our love relationship with you. That we'll put our task list aside and we'll say, welcome Holy Spirit. Come into my life afresh today. I want to love my Father. I want to love my Lord Jesus more. Walk with me in that journey. Show me the way. As I read your word, show me how to love him and worship him just because he's just so wonderful. We thank you, Lord, for your living word. We thank you that you've called us together in this community of faith. We thank you that you've placed us in this city. May your love shine brightly through us as we grow and increase in number. May we grow and increase in anointing and effectiveness and fruitfulness of communicating your love. In Jesus' name, amen.